Awesome. Yeah, great, great insights there. And in many ways, you both touched upon this in the first question here, but I'll ask it anyway, and maybe we can go a layer deeper. So what are some of the challenges or additional challenges that organizations are facing with respect to data sharing? And uh, we'll stick with Scott on this one. Well, Matt, the, the sad reality of data, um, you know, is, is it reusable? Uh, one of the things that, that I've been doing for, for many years throughout my IT careers is trying to convince people to share information. Um, and, and honestly, you know, I, I, I've run into people um, that believe job security is a locked PDF file. Um, you know, so Matt, you asked me a question and, and I write down the answer to that question. And instead of saying, Matt, here's the answer. Instead, what I do is I send you a locked PDF file. Well, first of all, you can break it, right? You actually have to print it and scan it back in, um, right? So you can break a locked PDF file, but it's a significant amount of effort. The reality is what I'm telling you when I send you a locked PDF file is that my information is critical, but also that my information is my career. It's me. It's my value to the organization. And a lot of people, there's still that culture sometimes in organizations that that reality of my information is my information. And it is my value proposition to my organization. Uh, and so that's one of the huge challenges that organizations fail or meet. The other reality, you know, is is the, the sheer number of definitions of the concept of digital transformation, because. Paper information is interesting, right? We all like to go to the library. We all like to get a new book. We all like to sit in a nice warm chair on a, on a snowy day with the fire roaring and, and you know, the dog snuggled at our feet and, and just be comfortable and read, right? Everybody likes that. But that's a form of, of information acquisition um, that is pretty easy to repeat, right? You just pick another book, go and do it. Digital information, however, gives us a much broader ability, right? Instead of having to read every book by Herman Melville, we can instead search on Google for in what book did Herman Melville talk about a large white whale? Um, <clears throat> sorry. I thought I turned off the phone in my office. <laughs> no worries. I did not. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah, that, that's a that's an easy fix right there. And if you want to, um, once you turn that off, just start back up with the Herman Melville uh, part. We can we can uh, we can splice and dice from there. Okay, all right, I'm I'm done. Sorry about that. All right, so you know, what book did Herman Melville write about a large white whale and a captain named Ahab? Right, you you can find that. Actually, you can find that right now on Google. But the point is. Um, I guess out of that is if you look at the information that's available today in the Internet, um, there, there are three problems with the information in the Internet. Um, and this is a problem that organizations are dealing with. The first is there's no validation process. So I can search for anything I want. I'm likely to find information I don't want. And I'm also likely to find uh, incorrect, invalid and often inappropriate information. So, you know, there's no validation process. Um, there's no ubiquitous process, right? I can't go, I don't have an easy way to to find all the places and pockets of information. You know, um, the big search engines do a great job, but they can't, they can't search everywhere. Uh, and the last and probably the biggest problem is that reality uh, that it's hard to share information sometimes. Um, when we think about 
you know, when we think about information, so let's, and I'll end kind of with this last example. When we think about information in particular about, say, the COVID vaccine, um, there's a lot of data on that vaccine, a lot of data. And they're still collecting data, by the way, at a massive rate. Um, but let's say five years from now, um, there's a new problem in the world. And you think the answer to that problem lies somewhere in the research done for the COVID vaccination. Uh, if you don't work for Pfizer or Moderna or any of those big companies, you're not going to get that information ever. Um, you're going to get some of the information that's that's presented to the CDC, but you're not going to get all of it. Um, and the reason for that remains that concept I started with, which is my locked PDF. That's my knowledge, my value, my contribution to the company. That's why I get a paycheck because I have that information and no one else. All right. Great insights there, Cal. Anything else to add there when it comes to challenges and uh, with respect to data sharing? Yeah, I think um, uh, I like how um, uh, Scott mentioned about uh, <laughs> data being your real asset and in some cases your job. <laughs> uh, but I think a couple of things uh, definitely right now is a big challenge is that, uh, uh, you know, when you get data, uh, just to make sure you, you have the lineage information, uh, you know, authoritative information. It's like uh, almost like a Carfax for data, <laughs> right? For AI models and data. You you go want to buy a second-hand car, and Carfax report, you know, has all the information about you know what all the accidents and other things, what work has been done on the car. You need something similar uh, in the case of data or any AI models that you're you know buying from external sources, right? To know really who built this model, what data was used, etc. So I think that's one big uh, issue. The second big issue I see is lack of good templates for governance for sharing of data between consultants. So in other words, uh, you know, if, if four organizations want to share data, how do you figure out how you compensate somebody who's bringing in certain type of data? How do you, uh, you know, penalize a bad actor who's bringing, you know, suddenly the data quality has gone down in that data that they're bringing to the marketplace, right? So the whole notion of uh, governing and coming up with what to do with respect to good and bad actors, with respect to sharing data, I think uh, that is also another major issue that people are facing right now. And the last thing is basically uh, technology. I think technology part is probably the easier part compared to the first two. Uh, I think the technology part is basically there is a need for uh, solutions uh, which help people to keep their data with themselves, the raw data, but just exchange or trade insights. So you send the algorithm to a location and then basically let the algorithm work on that data within your four walls and you just you know, share or you know take out insights. So we, there is a need for technology. And I think that part, I think, is being solved and almost has been solved. Uh, but the other two parts, I think, are going to be more procedural and process-oriented. Legal systems have to be in place uh, for that. And even if legal systems are there, that won't be sufficient because you need a technology to still enforce those, you know, legal, uh, you know, agreements that people might have. All right, great. So as always, here's the big question, though. How, how is the AI Anywhere solution helping with regards to data sharing and overcoming these challenges? And uh, we'll stick with Cal on this one. Yeah, I think the, the first thing, uh, major concept I think people need to start to Google and start to become more familiar with is the whole area of federated AI. I think uh, distributed slash federated AI. I think uh, now uh, all the major uh, you know companies and clouds and you know AI platforms 
are now advocating the use of federated AI. Basically, what that means in a nutshell is uh, you, if there are three, let's say three airline companies or three federal agencies, um, and then they want to uh, share their data to solve a common problem, you send the algorithm to each of those three federal agencies, you build local models at each of those locations, and, and those local models are basically insights, model weights, and then you bring them back to a central location and then you create a better global model. And then you again ship that model to all these agencies so that they can use it. So the key point there is the raw data never ever leaves the four walls or, or the security perimeter of these different agencies. And I think that's a very key concept that I think is picking up steam and more and more uses uh, uh, usage of you know the federated AI and that approach uh, I think will become uh, prevalent. So I think that's one key way Analytics Anywhere solution is targeting that. And the second key way is uh, basically creating what it's called as a demilitarized zone where the data providers bring their data into this demilitarized or secure sandbox, we call it zone. And the algorithm providers also bring their algorithms into the secure neutral zone. And, and, because, and all of this is possible because of, you know, container and Kubernetes technology. Now you can actually move your algorithm into... A, you know, cluster running, you know, in a secure sandbox environment. And and then, and basically the consumer can come in there and then and basically run this algorithm on that, on that data and with permission, take the results back out. So that whole paradigm is also something Analytics Anywhere Solution provides. So federated AI and the secure sandbox notion, I would say are two key concepts that help this whole data sharing in Analytics Anywhere. Awesome. Thanks, Cal. Scott, anything to add to that one? Well, I like the, I, I like the uh, the way Cal described, you know, the concept of federated AI because I think federated AI is is, is that first step, right? That that first step to a a known good validation source. Um, I, I always tell people, you know, that that the internet is an ocean; it's a sea of information. Um, you, however, are standing on top of a fifty foot platform, and your mission is to dive off head first. Now. The, disadvantage of that sea of information that is the internet is that it varies anywhere from 25,000 feet, the Marianas Trench of the internet, to about two inches. Um, and you can't tell from where you are what you're jumping into head first. So, you know, will you jump? Now, most people say no, because it's too much risk. And the reality right now that, that really this federated AI opportunity presents is this concept of being able to validate information on the fly, being able to know that the information you receive uh, is correct. I actually I gave a talk a number of years ago where I talked about the, the concept of a broker. Um, you know, if you think about um, some of the professions that have used information in the past that have been, you know, really big information uh generators, um, probably the, the largest is the legal profession. And if you look at the legal profession today, and you look at the medical profession, also another huge generator of, of uh, information, if you look at those two professions, they have recognized and acknowledged authorities. Uh, you, you will never be in a situation where if you use data from those authorities that you have to worry about that data. Well, that concept of a broker is one that federated AI will help build. We can begin this concept of more and more validated information and less and less uh, not validated, validated information. Although I, I would like to, 
to uh, to find the the one uh, one thing that guarantees my dog won't bark when I'm on a conference call. <laughs> That's great. So, uh, what are some of the challenges organizations are facing with respect to getting insights from their a- AI algorithms and their data in general? And we'll start with Scott on this one. Well, I'm 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 gonna beat a familiar theme. So so unfortunately, if you've listened to every single one of uh, one of these podcasts, you'll, you'll, you'll hear the same bad jokes and, and you'll hear the same, uh, same phraseology. But the reality today is, um, nobody builds applications figuring and factoring in latency. Um, so the latency that we sometimes have between organizations and within the internet as an entity, um, is somewhat troubling in terms of, of getting and using information. Um, if you think about most companies, most organizations, most government agencies today, um, they have multiple locations. They have uh, some locations that are high performing and some locations that just don't have high performing network solutions. Um, that inability to get data out of some locations kind of prohibits the sharing of information. So we've talked about, you know, how important it is for organizations to be able to share or information. If they're not going to share with everybody, at least within the organization, you know, the best way to solve problems. And the same is true with, with AI. So what I always tell people is, you know, you can build the greatest AI that's ever been. It's fault tolerant. It's redundant. It's multi-cloud. It's, it's able to solve every problem and every insight, um, you know, stealing from the Douglas Adams Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book, you know, it's able to produce the answer to the greatest question ever. You know, what is what is the meaning of the universe? Um, it, it isn't 42, but you, you get the gist. You can create that infrastructure, but unfortunately, if nobody can get to it, it's useless. So having a structured information system that allows that data to flow quickly from one per location to another, to one group of people to another, first of all, that facilitates the concept of sharing the data in the first place. But secondly, it allows AI to crunch that information to build a better view and to get that better view out to more people more quickly. Um, I'll I'll end with a a quote from... uh, Bill Gates in in his book of many years ago, which is um, knowledge management is simply the process of getting the right information to the right people in the right time frame for them to make a good decision. Excellent. Great insights there, Scott. Thank you so much. Cal, anything to add when it comes to challenges that organizations are facing with regard to uh, getting insights from their AI algorithms and their data? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think uh, uh, not enough data scientists um, and then also the whole um, impedance mismatch or communication between the data scientists and subject matter experts. Uh, I think uh, you know how to uh, make that easy. Uh, that's a that's a challenge. Uh, and then also what, today in any type of AI you know workflow for an organization, seventy percent of their time is basically not the actual AI algorithm running or figuring out what AI algorithm to use, but it's actually cleaning the data, removing the noise, anonymizing it properly, making sure it is compliant with all the regulations and security protocols. So that whole data management challenge is is hard. And and as Scott said, especially now, if that data is spread across multiple clouds, it's spread across your private data centers, it's coming in from the edge, where you do all of that and and where you actually merge all of that data, I think the location of where you have your AI stack 
for doing all of this, you want to be in a location which has you know uh, you know high speed connectivity and proximity to the clouds, to the edge, uh, uh, because otherwise, it, you know, as, as Scott said, the latency will kill you, and also moving massive data sets, you know, between these different locations is going to be very prohibitively expensive. And so I think the location of your AI stack is important. And and as I mentioned, the, the, the impedance mismatch between data scientists and also subject matter experts. So the whole, that is also a big challenge. Today. All right, excellent, excellent. So how is the AI Anywhere solution helping with this regard overall? And we'll stick with Cal on this one. Sure, so I think um, uh, I kind of alluded to it. Uh, so. The uh, first thing is the, the AI Anywhere solution is uh, uh, having a paradigm that is called low-code or no-code, where essentially the, the data science part, a lot of that has been automated. And for subject matter experts, it's much easier to quickly go and look at their data and get insights. So they don't have to you know, spend you know, weeks talking to a data scientist and figuring out how to uh, do all that, uh, you know, AI algorithm massaging and, and, and using, uh, you know, how to come up with insights. So that I think is one key aspect. So we have a platform which will help uh, to make that more attractive to subject matter experts. It's called a low-code, no-code paradigm. And the second thing is that, as I mentioned, uh, as Scott mentioned, latency is important. So the, the location of this AI stack, uh, currently uh, we are you know, putting it, uh, you know, making it globally available across uh, all the metro locations, uh, uh, you know, uh, that Equinix has, so that you don't need to move this data, you know, from the edge to the core and and pay a lot of, uh, you know, money for backhauling that traffic. And also from a latency standpoint, you know, these data centers are one to two milliseconds from the public clouds on one side and within 10 milliseconds from the end edge devices. So they're very strategically positioned and having your AI stack hosted there makes a lot of sense. All right, excellent. Thank you so much, Cal. Scott, any insights about how the AI Anywhere solution can help with these challenges? Well, I mean, so first of all, the, the easy button, right? I mean, we, we, we all love to press the easy button and the easy button in this scenario is distributed AI. Um, but Cal called it federated AI and I, I like that that concept, but if we think about distributed AI, right, we start pushing AI out to smaller and smaller bits. We break the AI up into um, smaller, capable, uh, functional areas and algorithms so that the AI is capable of uh, building and delivering the right answer. So I'll, I'll give a simple example, which is if you think about how networks operate today, um, you know, the world of, of networking has has evolved radically. Uh, when I started doing networking, um, we literally had Ethernet, and that was it. Um, there was no Wi-Fi, there was no cellular data, none of that. We had Ethernet. Um, there were other types of, of uh, networking components as well. We had token ring and, and other ways to connect devices. But for all intents and purposes, it was a wire, a network card, and a, and a device, right? Uh, the reality of the new world is we don't have that anymore, right? We've got this this spread out, right? You can take your cell phone and go anywhere. Um, you can be anywhere at any time. You know, you can you can do a podcast sitting, you know, in the middle of the Chesapeake Bay on a boat, uh, and no one will ever know you were on 
your boat and unless you're screaming as, as you you know you drag a fish onto the boat onto the boat um you know which is probably time to mute your your cell phone anyway but the reality is just distribution right so the world has distributed the concept of, of telephones um i i talked in the very beginning in the very first segment i think um about the fact that you know i grew up in the time period when the telephone was wired to the wall um and you know you had to beg your mom to buy one of those long uh uh, phone cables, uh, so you could stick it in, in the bathroom and lock the door. So your sisters wouldn't bother you on a, when you were talking to somebody, you didn't want them to be bothering you while you were talking to them. That that's changed, right? Now we have cell phones in our pockets and, and we can talk to people anywhere. The, the idea of connection has changed. So when we start thinking about that value of connection and that value of low latency, you know, AI anywhere, small bits of AI floating around become more and more and more valuable because I did mention some organizations and some places will always have less connectivity overall um, than other places. And that's not a discrimination or a, uh, you know, the, the digital divide thing. That's more of a reality of it's really hard to get a cell signal to the top of a mountain unless you put a cell tower on top of a mountain. And frankly, you know, nobody wants to climb a mountain just to see a cell tower there. Um, so there's going to be places on earth that are not going to have great uh, reception. That distribution is critical, right? So as we distribute AI to make it broadly uh, available, um, we can do a lot of stuff, right? So we, we talked today about digital validation, right? Making sure we validate information, making using AI as a validation tool, uh, federating the AI so that all of the AI instances are able to interact with each other, but also to know that the, the information is valid and, and appropriate and, and correct and, and timely. Um, so as we begin this process of pushing AI out further and further and further into the, uh, into the wild, we reduce the latency even more. Uh, and as we reduce the latency, then the information gets back to the people quicker. And again, I'll, I'll end with the quote I ended the last one with, which is simply, you know, knowledge management, which is really kind of the, the end game for AI, um, which is being able to produce the right information so that when a human being gets it, it's there at the right time. It's the right answer. Uh, it solves the problem that they're experiencing. And best of all, they're able to continue with whatever they were doing and no longer have to be concerned with the problem that they were facing.